this is your host Shauna White and this is Crime Diaries. I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for the overwhelming love and support you guys have showed me uh, for my first episode. You guys really went above and beyond for me and I could not say thank you enough. So this one today is an absolute wild one and this one is so similar to the first one. You guys are going to be blown away, but it is very gruesome. So I just wanted to give you that forewarning if you're eating or anything like that. Maybe this is not the episode for you at the moment. Um, so this is the story of Catherine Knight. Now, Catherine was born on October 24th, 1955 in Tenterfield, Australia, which is about three hours southwest of Brisbane. Her father was a very, very, very violent drunk and would beat her mother so bad it would leave her bruised. And she described that her father would rape her mother multiple times a day in front of the kids. She also claims that she was sexually assaulted by multiple family members till the age of 11. There was one report that I found that it was her brother's. Um, that was the only only report that I found, so I'm not quite sure, but it did state multiple family members. Uh, so in school, Catherine was a huge bully to anyone smaller than her, and she was awful at school with like a lower than average intelligence. So she ultimately dropped out of school at the age of 15, and she ends up working at a clothing factory. It wasn't until a year later when she started her dream job at a slaughterhouse. That was her dream job. Some people want to be doctors. Some people want to be lawyers, an astronaut, a president. She wanted to work in a slaughterhouse. Uh, there's a couple screws loose. I mean, I don't, I don't know. This was her dream job, but to each its own, I suppose. So she loved this job so much she had butchering knives hung over her bed like decor just in case she wanted to use them you know casually laying in bed and you're like hmm, i want to butcher something right now like if you have butchering knives above your bed as decor like please message me like we we need to talk <laughs> we really need to talk oh, so catherine's first husband was david collette they met while working at the butchering shop and he was violent just like her father and her mother actually warned him of her temper and stated that she has a couple screws loose so i don't know why he was surprised but she would join in on these drunken fights that he would get into and he stated that she could do some damage with those fists so in 1974 they got married romantic right one would think but nope nope she tried to murder him on day one of their marriage because they only consummated their marriage three times that night because he was tired but when her mother consummated her marriage eight times so i'm like i'm sorry what <laughs> you're mad that you only consummated your marriage three times the night of your wedding and so you strangle your husband. I just, okay. Well, they ended up lasting 10 years together. So 
I mean, <laughs> good on her. I don't, I don't know what she's doing to this guy. Like, this Vicky can stay married to her for 10 years after she tried to kill him on their wedding night. God bless. So, David, unfortunately, was very unfaithful and one time had left her and the kids in the middle of the night to go out on these little escapades he was doing. So after finding out about this affair, she did the absolute most absurd thing that a mother could do. Like, I have a year and a half year old and this just makes me so sick to my stomach, but she left their two month old baby two months, okay, on train tracks as a train was set to come by. Just laid it down, train come by, ran over the baby. Like, that was, like, what she was going to do to pay him back for cheating on her. Like, that was what was going on in her head. Like, there's so many things in this story that the system failed her. Like, in this moment right here, she, like, she should have been put into a mental institution and really been evaluated. But there's so many red flags in this story that it's really sad. Like, our system's, like, if our system worked, this would have never happened, in my opinion. But I'm no doctor. But so thankfully, a local man seen the baby on the train tracks and brought her to safety. But while this was happening, she stole an axe and was swinging it around threatening people. So she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And I just wanted to touch on what this is. So there's a couple bullet points that I wanted to read off to you. So... People with borderline personality disorder can experience intense mood swings um, and they can quickly change their mind from extreme likeness to extreme dislike. And changing feelings can lead to unstable relationships and emotional pain. They can also tend to view things in extremes such as an all good situation or an all bad. There isn't like a gray area. And their interests and values can change quickly and they may act impulsively or recklessly. And they can plunge headfirst into relationships or end them just as quickly. A pattern of intense and unstable relationships with family, friends, and loved ones. So this is just some of the things that people with borderline personality disorder can have. There's also suicidal behaviors or threats. Um, high variable moods, lasting a few hours to a few days, problems controlling anger. So this makes a lot of sense when we're looking at this situation. Like she does not know how to properly cope with situations like a, a right-minded adult. So so she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder after people reportedly seen her swinging around the stroller with her baby in it alongside a busy street. And this is what sent her to a psych hospital where she told the nurses there that she wanted to kill the mechanic who fixed David's car because if the car was still broke, he wouldn't have been able to leave her. Oddly enough, though, he did stay with her. Um, but, of course, that, that didn't last long. 
She did have a couple of toxic relationships following this. She dated a man named David Saunders, who was a local miner. Within a few months, he moves in with her and her daughters, but he kept his apartment, you know, just in case, because who moves in with someone after a couple months? That's a huge red flag. So Catherine became violently jealous about what he was doing when she was not around. She was afraid of him cheating on her. And this relationship grew very toxic very fast. Now this next part, I just want to give a warning before I tell it. Um, it's very, very sad. It involves animal cruelty. So if that's too much for you, please skip forward. But with her becoming so jealous, her thinking that he was going to cheat on her, she slit the throat of his two-month-old puppy just to show him what she was capable of, like to scare him into not cheating on her. It's also reported that she knocked him unconscious with a frying pan, burnt his face with an iron, but he ended up leaving her when she tried to kill him with a pair of scissors. So not the other red flags, just, just the stabbing part. So she ends up getting into a relationship with a man named John Chillingworth. They lasted three years and they had a baby boy together. Now the relationship seemed healthy at first. There wasn't any reports to prove otherwise. The relationship ended when he found out that she was having an affair with a man named John Charles Thomas Price. Now this is where it gets super meaty and super good. Super good. But it is gruesome. So if you are eating or don't have the stomach, you know, for it, Go ahead and skip forward. I won't be offended, but it, it's rough. Catherine moved in with John Price and his two daughters from his previous marriage in 1995. And everything in the beginning was very, very peachy. Everything was great. They got along fine. There was no red flags until she brought up getting married and he turned her down because he's still technically married to his ex-wife, which apparently was a huge trigger for her. And this infuriated her so much and she got extremely violent. So Catherine framed John for stealing from his work, which he got fired from. And he worked from this job for 18 years. He lost his pension. He worked for this company for 18 years. And if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was like these medical kits. They were throwing them in the trash. They were in the dumpster, but they were expired. There was nothing wrong with them. They just got rid of them because they weren't going to use them. And his company decided that this was still considered stealing. I don't understand that. They fired him after 18 years of being there. He lost everything. So after discovering what she did, this sent him over the edge and he immediately kicked her out of the house. But as Catherine does, she has a way with these men. He got back with her, but he wouldn't let her move back into the house. 
And this is the point where the violence really peaked and reached an all-time high. In February of 2000, they got into an argument and she tried to stab him in the chest. And this really frightened him. Now, she was violent with him in the past, but this is the first time where he really feared for his life. The morning of his murder, he got up and on his way to work, he got a restraining order and he told his co-workers, if I go missing, it's because Catherine killed me. And he was so right. On February 29th, 2000 he came home from work checked with the neighbors before calling it a night Catherine shows up after he went to bed made dinner watched tv and got a shower she then woke up john and the two had sex and then he fell back asleep now remember Catherine keeps her butcher knives close to her right in case she ever wants to use them well, this night, she did. She grabbed a knife and stabbed John 37 times. 37 times. That poor man. That poor man. Oh, my gosh. Now, the blood evidence states he woke up during the attack and was able to reach the front door but was unable to fight her off. Catherine drags his dead body down the hall and proceeds to skin him. Remember, she worked in a slaughterhouse her entire life. She did this with precision. She then hangs the skin on meat hooks in the living room. She decapitates him and cuts up pieces of his body to cook in a stew with potatoes, beets, zucchini, cabbage, squash, pumpkin, and gravy. She had made three dishes and one for herself. Although she could not finish it, there was um, a portion outside on the ground. They assumed that that was one that she attempted to eat herself. She then stole his wallet and withdrew $1,000 from his bank account. She then took an excessive amount of pills and laid next to John's headless and mutilated body and went to sleep. So when John didn't show up for work, his co-workers remember that he said if he ever went missing, it's because he killed him. So his neighbor was actually nervous because his car was still in the driveway. So his co-worker and his neighbor go over and they try knocking on the bedroom window to wake him up. So they think he's just overslept. But after noticing blood on the front door, they called the police. So the police arrive and they find the most gruesome scene and immediately place her under arrest where she claims to remember nothing from the prior night. So she is claiming amnesia. So on an episode of Crimes That Struck Australia, the detective spoke on the moment that they walked into the crime scene. So Scott Matthews and Sergeant Graham Furlonger were the two detectives. And this is what they described walking into. There was something hanging that was blocking the entry into the house, adds Matthew. 
I thought it looked like some sort of blanket or some sort of covering that had been placed on the archway. It was only when he reached out to push the object aside and felt something cold that Matthew realized his arm was covered in blood. I realized then that it was in fact a human pelt. The skin minus the head, a full skin just hanging from the top of the door frame. The police found John's head boiling on the stove with vegetables and on the table they find two other plates with his children's names next to them. So Catherine has murdered John Price, has his skin hanging in a doorway, his head's boiling on the stove, she's mutilated his body, cut off his genital, has made this stew, has attempted to eat one portion, threw the rest outside, has two other plates with each of his children's names next to them. So she has not only mutilated this man in such a way that I have zero words for, but then tries to feed his dead body to his children. What kind of psycho? does that like what kind of mother does that i that part just left me speechless like i i'm trying to find the words for it and there is there's no words i have zero words she's just a monster so she is the first woman in australian history to get sentenced to life without the possibility of parole so in her sentencing she tried claiming that because of her borderline personality disorder that she really, you know, wasn't in control of her actions. But because she withdrew that $1,000, that is what sealed her fate. She was unable to use that claim because she was in okay mind to go to an ATM and withdraw $1,000, then she was in an okay mind to know what she was doing during the murders. So on her sentencing, it just says, we'll never be released. So that's amazing. Good job, Australian government. She deserves to spend the rest of her life in prison. So she is currently serving her sentence at the Silverwater Women's Correctional in Western Sydney and in prison she is thriving like if you guys have ever seen that Australian version of Orange is the New Black there's this thing called a top dog so she would be considered the top dog of this prison and she is referred to as Nana because she comes off as like caring and maternal which to me I Feel this is so ironic that she's considered caring and maternal because of her leaving her two-month-old on train tracks and she mutilated her boyfriend and to this day like she maintains her innocence and refuses to take responsibility and one thing that I thought was really funny is because she is always like the hothead like screw loose fighting everyone stabbing everyone but in prison apparently she is the one that you go to if you are having a problem with someone and she'll handle it for you 
So, like, the peacemaker, which is so bizarre because the way she lived her life was the complete opposite. But you know what? Maybe in prison she was able to get the help she needed and now is of more of sound mind. So, I don't know. Let's hope. Let's hope. But that is the wild, wild, wild story of Catherine Knight from Australia. What a wild monster. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, thank you so much. Hey guys, since this episode touched so much on mental health, I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're struggling with something, whether it's anxiety, depression, postpartum, borderline personality, bipolar, PTSD, whatever you guys are going through, there is someone you can talk to. And just remember that your mental health is equally as important as your physical health.